What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vito Anazelli and Michael Nellen. We have another great show for you guys today, but before that, please take a moment, hit the bell, and subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow over on Twitter at the SLScreamers underscore pod. Uh, everything today is recovering is international news. Got, obviously, World Cup qualifiers going across the entire globe. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, congrats to a couple of teams that have qualified already so far. We got Qatar, obviously, hosting the tournament. Wow, Germany. big surprise there. <laughs> I don't know how they made it in. They're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Germany, Denmark, Brazil, France, Belgium, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, and Switzerland. Um, a lot of powerhouse teams in there, but two two shocks, I guess, for automatic qualification purposes. We got the Serbia, uh, Serbia win over Portugal, and Switzerland over Italy. Yeah. That Serbia win over Portugal, you know, to go down one nil, come back, tie the game. Um, I think it was like around the 35th minute, something along those lines with Tadic. Then to score in like the 90th minute at the death with a header, stun the whole stadium and have Ronaldo go back to his crying old ways. Wow. (laughs) I mean, that was, that looked pretty good. They're definitely in all, in all honesty, they're a dark horse team for me in the world cup coming up. I think they are, got some serious, serious depth and quality to that team. So yeah, man. Kostic, Malinkovic Savage, Tadic, Valovich. I mean, yeah. yeah. They're they're good. I mean, <laughs> Roy Patricio uh, definitely had a night to forget, especially on that first <laughs> one with Tadic. Like I know it took a deflection coming through, but I mean the ball essentially hit him in the chest and <laughs> rolled in. So <laughs> um he, that's not gonna be happy. You saw Ronaldo fighting with the uh, the manager afterwards. No, because he wanted to manage. No. Yeah, he was on the field. And <laughs> just had a really heated argument with him. And I was like, it's like, well, it's Ronaldo time at this point. So we'll see what happens next game. I mean, last time, if I remember correctly, he was in a qualifier or, yeah, qualifier to get into it. It was him versus Eber, right? And he just outdueled them 4 yeah. 3. Yeah, I think he yeah. had a hat trick and Eber had two in that game. I think, yeah. it, was four, no, I think like... it was literally 4 3, like total aggregate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, Switzerland, too, as well over Italy. What would you guys take about that? I mean, you got the European champions going down. Or not going down, just, uh, you know, well, they, fight they, for it. They did go down, essentially, to surprisingly. To, I believe it was to the Republic of Ireland today, right? Um, yeah. Could not do anything on the ball. And Switzerland, credit to them, you know, in that group. Nobody probably gave them the chance to qualify out, especially given the way Italy was playing after the Euros and how Italy has been over the past couple of years. Um unbelievable performance by that team um and then yeah italy's in a tougher spot now to make it into the world cup yeah i i mean they they dropped the ball they had it in their hands they they go from beating belgium to drawing 1-1 with switzerland and then drawing 0-0 with northern ireland like they that was a complete missed opportunity and it's it's kind of like feeling a little bit reminiscent of uh what was it last last world cup when they when they missed out on the playoff spot (laughs) yeah it's, They're having trouble scoring. Yeah, they put yeah. five past Lithuania, but I mean, okay. Lithuania. Yeah, <laughs> Lithuania. So. I mean, England put, what, 10 against Andoria? Who did they play? <laughs> Sands, yeah, San yeah. Marino, San Marino. San Marino. Yeah. Harry Kane back to his stat padding ways. Hopefully that translates to Spurs, but not to get ahead of ourselves. I think it's more of a cry for help from him saying, like, hey, I don't want to play for Spurs, but I'll put up four against San Marino. Man City, come bid, bid for me. Yeah. <laughs> Price tag just go up again? <laughs> right now. <laughs> Let's head over to our, uh, our side of the globe. We got the United States men's national team. We pulled a Dos Acero against Mexico. I feel like it's been forever since we got to say that scoreline. What, um, 
All right, we got a lot to uncover here. Let's start with the lineup. What Greg Berhalter put out there to start. And what, what's your guys' takes on it? Because I, I personally thought it was actually pretty spot on for what we had. I thought it was the best lineup he put out in all of qualifying so far, honestly. I mean, the mm. only glaring omission, obviously, is Christian Pulisic, but who was, he was injured. I mean, so it, it makes sense he came off the bench. We talked about it with uh, Henry last last time out. It would have been great to see him, but I mean, talk about an impact. So first touch the guy gets, he comes off the bench and he scores a goal. So I... Greg, I thought this was the best lineup we had. We have the we have the best midfield in CONCACAF, in my opinion. Um, and I think this game against Mexico showed it. And I think Greg, for the first time in a long time, got his lineup right. Yeah, I think the one thing that maybe was questionable or people had questions about in the beginning was obviously the goalkeeper controversy because mm-hmm. with Matt, Matt Turner playing obviously out of his mind, right, for the past couple of weeks and, or months for both New England and the U.S., you would think he deserves that game against Mexico. Obviously, in retrospect, everything's 2020. Stefan made, I think, two or one very two massive, two massive, two big ones, two massive saves, especially one against Lozano when it was one on one. So, yeah, totally justified. But that, that was that was a really big call. And there was a lot of question marks leading up to that in general. So, yeah, I understood. I understood why he went with Stefan because he is more comfortable playing out of the back than Turner is. And the biggest knock we've we had on Stefan, I guess, kind of going into camp was he hasn't been getting as much game time <clears> at Man City. Mm-hmm. So is he going to be cold coming to this game? Is he going to be able to make those saves that he needs to make in a tight in a tight spot? The answer was yes, he did. Like he came up huge for him. Mm-hmm. He played out of the back very well throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. I don't think Turner did anything wrong not to deserve playing this. He hasn't really made mistakes. Same thing with Stefan. Neither one of them really are. I I didn't mind. I, I definitely didn't mind Stefan in there. I I personally thought he was the right call because of being able to play out of the back against Mexico. I thought he was the perfect fit mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, I think I think Turner gets Jamaica though. I, I don't think he does. I, don't I think, think so. They, I think I think they already announced that Stefan's starting. Is he officially? I, I believe so. They they said that, which is kind of surprising to me that they wouldn't give Turner that gut run, right? Given you know what he's been doing, but I think at the, at the end of the day, this is Greg kind of cementing like more or less his World Cup roster moving forward. He's like, if Stefan is one hundred percent and he's healthy and he's at, at, even operating at seventy five percent, like not playing behind Ederson, they're going to put Stefan in if they have the opportunity. Yeah, I, I think Stefan fits the style of play that Baralter wants to be doing more frequently. I mean, there was a couple – as good as a shot stopper as Turner has been during this tournament, I can count on my – right off the top of my head multiple times where he's received the ball in the back and he's yeah. looked – Played it out or something. Ve- very well. I was like, there's a chance he kicks this into our own net right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I think given what Greg wants to do, that makes sense. And also keep in the back of your mind as well. This next match is uh, in Jamaica, right? Yeah, it's in Jamaica. Turner yes, and the Revolution have a semifinal match in the MLS Cup in just under two weeks now at this point. So uh, it might be a COVID protocol thing going on well as well, knowing that Stefan's sure. has all this time to get ready. So why not use sure. him? He's not a big deal. Um, sure. But I, I think going forward, if you, it's a tough pick. I. I still think you play Turner until he gives you a reason not to. It's, I mean, listen, it's not an easy decision. We've never had yeah. this kind of decision when Howard was the last time we kind of had a keeper controversy. You're not really, Howard was basically almost on his way out. So Guzan stepped in and just kind of just, you funneled him behind. It was never really Guzan pushed him for that starting spot technically. Yeah. Um, this is probably the first time I've had legit controversy, which is great. You need, you need that kind of competition inside the, uh, the first team, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting eventually Greg has to put his foot down and be like, Hey, this is our starter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Stefan um, for the way, so. like Tavito said, the way that they want to play, and especially how they demonstrated that against Mexico, playing on the front foot and pressing and holding the possession as much as they tried to do. Um, it would make more sense logically to keep Stefan in. So, yeah. Well, I agree. No matter what happens, either way, neither of them are a bad backup to have. So, no, no exactly. And then, I mean, I mean, you want to go as far down as third string with Horvath, what he pulled off in the Nations yeah. League. That's, I, I mean, we're yeah. deep Pretty good there. depth. There, there's there's, there's always it. been solid depth at the keeper position for the U.S. So yeah, no, absolutely. What um, what do you guys think? Obviously, the home atmosphere was awesome. I mean, from the national anthem all the way to the final whistle. Mm-hmm. I've brought this up kind of before on the podcast. Do you think we should have a central location where we play our home games? Yeah, I I see no reason not to have every game in like Cincinnati or Ohio in general. Uh, you know, St. Louis somewhere in like that mid Midwest or just central location in the U.S. It's it's hard to do because, I mean, you look at all the other countries in, in the world and it's like, okay, you have Wembley's in, in London. All right, that's like an eight-hour train ride. That's a doable day trip, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can go to that game if you want to. It's not, it doesn't work like that in the States. I agree with you. I think we need a centralized location. We need to build a fortress. We need a fan base that is 100% on the United States side instead of half of them being on the opposition. It feels like every time it's out of a place like Columbus and then Cincinnati – but with that being said, I love to go see them and I would like the opportunity and it helps build the game across the country. I think maybe in yeah. after 2026, once maybe the rest of the country is a little bit more on board with the sport and on board with the team, then you can start talking about that being an option. But while you're trying to grow it here, it might just be better to have a traveling fan base for the time being. Yeah, I would say the only way that they could make that work is if they subsidize the ticket prices. So that way yeah, they yeah. <laughs> are not paying 500 fucking dollars yeah. to go watch a World Cup qualifier, which is unbelievably ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'd be all about it if that was the case. But um, to Vito's point, like, I don't see it happening, at least for the next couple of years or even World Cup cycles for that matter, because they still have a lot of work to do growing the game in the United States. And I think at every opportunity they want to showcase the United States to all four corners or, you know, all areas of the United States. So. I agree. I think we should just be smarter where we schedule certain games, Mexico in Cincinnati or Columbus, 1000% Jamaica in New Jersey at Red Bull arena. Okay. Fine with that. Yeah. Definitely not playing Mexico there. Yeah. I, they should be picking venues based solely on playable conditions. Like you can't be picking, you can't be playing at Gillette field come middle December. You know what I mean? Like just, that just shouldn't happen. That needs the climate needs to be taken into effect. Why we have beautiful climate all across this country. Why are we playing games in the, in the snow? If we don't need to, you know, you want to play another Costa Rica game in Denver. Yeah, no, thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> but It worked hard. I, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think that was a tactical decision. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if we're playing messy, let's play in the Arctic. Let's freeze these joints together. If that's what it takes. Okay. But is there a soccer not, field? Then... Is there a soccer field in Alaska? Like I'm down with that at that <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah, well, let's freeze them out. Although in all seriousness, a game in Alaska would be awesome. I don't know how it will go over, but that would be cool to see. That'd be pretty scenic. It'd be like one of those pretty sweet views. Uh, Probably have to play the game at like 1 p.m. though, because it's like dark 20 hours a day over there. Yeah. (laughs) Nice Hawaii game. That'd be cool. cool. I'd like that. What um, kind of a little bit of shithousery that we had. Pulisic uh, clapped back after his goal at Ochoa. Um, Man in the mirror shirt. What's your guys' take? Awesome. Love it. 
Love it. Uh, hey, let the kids talk shit. They're getting yeah. that hit, you know, like, well, I guess hit metaphorically with words on their shirt. But anyway, <laughs> Ochoa, you know, he's, he's talking about the man in the mirror comments for those who aren't aware, saying that the U.S. is what they aspire, or at least when they look in the mirror to be what Mexico is. Right. Um, and, you know, the U.S. obviously took that very personally. And Christian Pulisic took that very personally. So when he scored, I love the fact that he had the balls and the cojones to know that he was going to score and then had it underneath his shirt ready to rock when it happened. So that's some serious confidence to say the least. Yeah. Knowing he only had 20 minutes and he's like, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about it this morning. Like players must do this shit all the time and they must not win the game. I always say they don't shirt swap at the end because they take their shirt off for a shirt swap. It's like, look at this idiot. He wrote this down and didn't even win. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, no. I mean, good dude. I mean, is, is Ochoa, Ochoa can say whatever he wants. I mean, I, I, if I'm a, if I'm a Mexico supporter, I like the confidence that he's he's showing when he's saying that. It's fine with sure. me. But also the, the opposite side of that is, if you're going to say it, you have to be able to take it. You, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to dish it out, you got to be able to take it. And he got slapped back in the face with it by none other than the best player on this team. And honestly, probably maybe maybe in ten years from now, the best player to ever pull on that jersey for the national team, men's national team. I'd, I'd say that right now, but that's just my, yeah, well, my own personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people might differ. Um, first time I've also beat Mexico three straight times since 1937. Um, Gosh, I, the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> the Alamo counts as three. That's what people don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> Should be a fourth. What – um. You guys think that's like kind of like just like a cool record to have, or is that something that's we are becoming the more dominating team in CONCACAF? I would say you have to think the pendulum is significantly swinging, right? Because that's mm-hmm. one of the youngest teams, even it's not the youngest, but it's one of the youngest teams the U.S. have fielded in a World Cup qualifying game playing an aging Mexico team. Um, granted, they do have some younger players who are, who are pretty good, like Diego Lanez, and I think the Alvarez guy, who's the center defensive mid mm-hmm. for them, who, who is really good at plays for Ajax, right? But with the U.S.'s depth, their age, I mean, everything is pointing in that direction. And you have to think if you're a Mexico supporter, oh, shit, what are we doing to catch up at this point? Because three straight wins, two straight tournament wins over them, and now potentially a first-place World Cup qualifying win over them. I don't, I don't want to get carried away, but, you know, obviously ahead on points right now as it stands at 14. And you know, things are just looking up and to the right mm. if you're a United States supporter. And if you're a Mexico supporter, you're, you're being stagnant or you're going down and right. I would even go out to say in venture that in five to 10 years time, we might even see a Canada team overtake Mexico as second or even, I, I don't know, hypothetically first in pocket cap. I think Canada has Jonathan David. They have Tejan Buchanan, Alfonso Davies. You know, they're also playing Mexico next, which we're going to get to in a little yeah. bit. They can, they can easily hop over them tomorrow night to go in second place mm-hmm. in Edmonton in the freezing cold. So, yeah, no, it, this is, it kind of feels uh, a little bit reminiscent of the mid two thousands, maybe early two thousands when we were just dreadful for a bit. And then you had the likes of a young Clint Dempsey coming through. You had Lyndon Donovan getting his prime. You had Tim Howard, oh, the outdoor swinging. Yeah. And it feels like yeah. that again, where the U S came out of this gigantic rut and missing, missing the world cup last time around. And it just felt like, utter despair and now you have these young guys coming back through the ranks and it just it just has that that type of atmosphere that type of vibe every time they step on the field like they want to be there and play for this team as as often and as hard as they can um i also think i don't think we're a dom- the dominant force in conga calf yet i think mm-hmm. we're too inconsistent for that while while we're one of the stronger sides without a doubt 
I don't think by any means we're the, the dominant side. A couple of these results could have went the other way. I mean, one result here oh, yeah. is, you know, it yeah. changes the, to Mike's point, the pendulum swing, but I think going forward right now, yeah. Any, any team that sees us is going to go, all right, not the game we want this week, but they're also not terrified of us mm-hmm. yet. Does this Mexico team remind you guys at all of Costa Rica? In what way? The aging Costa Rica starred in that t- 2014 World Cup, and like ever since then, when everyone kind of is starting to fade a little bit, mm. I don't, I don't see Mexico missing or anything. I'm not saying that. I think they obviously make the World Cup this year. I don't see it really being a question. Next qualifying window for them, though, not as much youth coming through as someone like you know the United States has. We have a very deep player pool right now. Like Mike just said, Canada's up on the up and coming. I think they struggle in the next qualifiers really heavily. I wouldn't I go as way off. I wouldn't go as far to say as they struggle, but I think it's going to be a much tighter battle between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. I think yeah. those three teams in particular are going to really battle it out with each other, and then everyone else is going to kind of like what happened in the Premier League, where like there's just that play that is that gap of the top four. We're going to see a gap of the top three essentially with those three teams, and then everybody else, in my opinion. Maybe you get that Jamaica coming in, but everyone else is going to be thrown to the wayside. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Mike on that one. Um, I, I just don't see who else could qual- – I mean, obviously things change. One year, one guy can come through the ranks. Look at Pulisic did. You know what I mean? One guy comes through the ranks, completely transforms the team. So, I mean, anything's possible. But to Mike's point, there's no one else at this moment in time. You can take any team in Con- – my whole thing is you can take any team in CONCACAF. And if you, if you exclude, right, the Oceania – division right any of the other ones you put them in conable you put them in you wait you put them in anything else do any of these teams are, are they any of them considered favors to qualify no anywhere? probably not not really no. if it's not Concacaf and it's not in oceanic the oceanic group i mean it is what it is and so yeah it's good to be the strongest ones right now and no i don't think anyone else is going to challenge for a while but i mean i still think there's a really long way to go no, I'm not saying there's not a long way to go at all. I, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I think there's, you know, one, a shift in power, definitely. Yeah. And then, two, I, I don't see – Mexico isn't resupplying their players as fast as we are, I feel, Canada is. And, and that's, that's kind of maybe what I'm trying to, trying to say is where they're like not – Like the Menez and – The youth development portion, the dual nationals, I feel like we're stealing quite a few of them now. Um, or in the past, everyone that was half Mexican would always pretty much just go play for the Mexican national team. That's their heritage, how they grew up and who they represented or like who their parents represented. And like, yeah, Ricardo so, Pepe played for them. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, but thankfully. He's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although he, he, he missed a sitter. So I'm still thinking his allegiance might be, sh- might be shaky. <laughs> <laughs> he's young. Yeah. He's young. We'll, we'll yeah. get it. Um, kind of dissecting a little bit into the game though. First half, um, obviously we had, you know, a few semi chances, nothing crazy. We were really missing that final third of the, like a, the final ball or mm-hmm. final pass in the final third. Um, so Mexico did definitely have the better chances. Stefan stopped them. Anything else that you guys kind of saw from that first half? Um, I'd say in general, like there were chances, just anything the U S should be more clinical, especially to like Vito's point, if we're playing larger co- like companies, <laughs> larger companies. or larger, uh, you know, countries in general, right? Like the, if we have those chances, like, especially on like an actual world cup, assuming the U S makes it to that point, you have to be putting those away or at least putting them on target. Um, I think, you know, if you play a much better team to beat those point, like those two chances that Mexico had the Lozano chance, the Corona chance, um, they're going to put that's, that's two nil right there. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's easily two nil. So just have to be tighter with the ball in that sense. 
Yeah, I, I think it was it was a, a decent display in the first half. Obviously, uh, all the plotters are going to come during the second half. But, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't put their head down. I thought they did well to control the ball when, when they – when they had it, there weren't like too many, there weren't too many giveaways, but they needed to be a little bit tighter on defense. And, and that's something we're going to talk about later. I know we discussed it with the lineup a little bit, but mm-hmm. I mean, that was a much different back line than what Greg's been putting out in, in recent qualifiers. I mean, you had Lynn getting, getting minutes, uh, Zimmerman getting some more minutes, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I think for what we had in the team we were playing, we did a pretty good job. Yep. Um, but we just, we just have to tighten it up in the back. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, second half, obviously, massively different storyline for the most part. U.S. came alive. The pressure, the the possession, the passing. Um, obviously, you know, had Aaron Sting get his eye gouged out. Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how the hell that wasn't a red card. I, I had no idea. He literally did a UFC move with the eye gouged. An illegal move. Oh. They don't even they don't even do that. <laughs> Picked him up. Zlatan well, <laughs> only got a yellow for basically murdering Aspilicueta <laughs> yesterday. So when does, I know we're kind of going off topic a little bit now, but when does FIFA or CONCACAF step in and actually start handing out suspensions? Cause there's so many different memes of Mexico players hurt. choking somebody like it's, it's never, I don't ending. think they've even implemented VAR yet in yeah. CONCACAF, which I'm also semi kind of, I want, but don't want just given the woes that have, we've seen in the past with that, because I feel like that could be a massive abuse of power with just like the referees and CONCACAF. Cause they're not honestly the brightest for the most part. Um, but that being said, like that's at any other game, any other situation you're watching that that's an immediate red card. Yeah. Like I, I don't even see how it could be debatable. Uh, he rode him literally like a donkey and then picked him up by his fucking eyes. Yep. And like, I, I don't see it any other way. So. It, it won't happen until someone gets hurt, and I really hate to say it, but F- FIFA's reactionary by nature. Uh, I mean, it, it takes something to force them into action every single every single time. I mean, they do everything for money standpoint, and until it's starting to affect that and there's actual outrage, I don't think people are gonna. I don't think they're gonna do anything. I, listen, I can understand missing it on the field because the referee cannot have all of his eyes everywhere, and we don't have VAR. So mm. I'm, I'm listen. I understand that that that's fine with me, but going back afterwards you don't have to look at social media, just going back afterwards, watching the game, seeing the tape and then seeing that and not being able to hand down a suspension or just some type of disciplinary, yeah. disciplinary action. One replay and it's all you need. It's not difficult. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous at this point. Like Weston has at least two to three memes alone that I know he's getting choked in like different ages. Like it's, it's nuts. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can get away with it for so long and not have repercussions. Like the they're just, just losing fans in the stadium now for, for chanting at least yeah. anti, anti, anti gay, anti gay like slurs essentially. Um, yeah. I'm sure that's not, been going not on to for get, 20 years. Not to get too far been. off topic with this conversation too, but my, my only concern with it is if you go back and you and you discipline post post match, where does that stop? What about diving? Are you gonna go back and you're gonna start carding diving? Are you are you where where's the line between what you can do and what you can't do? I think it has to be I think it has to be something like egregious. Like very, like agree. an eye gouge, like a choke, yeah. like something like where you're actually like causing harm or like physical like, harm. Want, yeah. The problem is at that point, the referee is probably going to catch that one. I mean, you hope so. Hasn't. Yeah, you hope so. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. I mean, yeah. to to this point, I mean, some of them are directly right in front of the referee, and he doesn't do anything. So it's kind of kind of amazing. Yeah. But, no. Yeah. Anyway, right. back to the second half of the play. Um, what you guys take on it? Like, obviously, high press. We got the goals. Um, mm-hmm. Put the game away. I thought we, I don't want to say we looked comfortable, 
but we looked relatively confident on the ball and seemed very in control of that game Yeah, to a point where we haven't seen that against a Mexico team in a very, very long time, I felt mm-hmm. like. I'd say in particular, obviously, Wea was man of the match, had the assist, and it looked like every time he touched the ball, he was pretty much driving, taking on his defender, yeah. beating his mm-hmm. defender, putting in the ball in dangerous spots, and eventually, obviously, Pulisic came in, crashed through the back post like a bat out of hell, put the goal past Ochoa, right? Um, he looked phenomenal in that game. And I think that was kind of way as, I don't want to say coming out game, but it certainly felt like it. Um, I feel like he cemented a place in the squad. Yeah, it certainly felt that way. Like he's like, hey, this is my role in the World Cup qualifier, whether I'm starting or I'm coming off the bench as an impact player, I can do this for this team, which was awesome to see. And then in particular, too, in that second half, obviously we'd be remiss if we didn't call out Musa, who for yeah. pretty much 80 minutes, however long he was playing, I mean, he, as an 18-year-old, looked like he's been playing in that role for 10 years. Like, he just bossed, bossed the midfield. There was countless times that he just dribbled through two to three people um, and then also, you know, made Alvarez look like a fool with a little step over on his own, like, you know, 20. I mean, 18 and just went right past him, blew past him. Also do that on your own half, like, that is amazing, too, at such a young age. Um, Who actually he reminded me of a lot was Scotland's Billy Gilmore. Um, Like, kind of how... What's up? Billy's the man. <laughs> but it, it felt similar, though, to me, like where, where he was very composed on the ball, consistently was able to spray passes around or just maintain possession. Mm-hmm. Like when he played against Liverpool in that cup yeah. match or when he played his first game, I think of the Euros, too, at the, same, at the same time. It felt very similar to me like that. And, like, I guess we really haven't had a U.S. midfielder along those ranks or someone who can really just dominate a midfield like that in a pretty long time. I, I'd Michael say Bradley and Jermaine Jones were different type of midfielders. They didn't have that, like, It was natural, Nagby. Like the closest would be Nagby. Yeah. And then, well, he, he hates us anyway for, for whatever reason. So um, probably, yeah, Nagby would probably be the closest one. Yeah. I mean, Musa, if you can build a team around him in particular too, like in that midfield with that spine of him, McKenney, Adams, I mean, that is a dangerous, to Vito's point, that is a dangerous midfield that is yep. debatably going to be, if not already, the best midfield in CONCACAF. So, yeah. For sure. I, one, of the, one thing that stood out to me with this game in particular was I've been very disappointed with the, the national team lately in terms of their, their crossing ability. They yeah. have all these pacey wingers who are able to get up and down the sides and beat players one-on-one, but every time I feel like they're in a decent position, even when they break into the 18, I always feel like that last pass from the wingers is an issue. But against Mexico, 29 crosses and uh, – I think 12 or 13 of them were accurate, which is actually a very good good percentage. Yeah. Just to give a little background context, Mexico made 22 crosses and only made three of them accurate. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very good to see. Now it's just a matter of putting those away because I know McKenney had a chance from one of those crosses and he hit it right out of Choa. But I think that's a a big step they have to take because most of the talent on this team um, is on the wings. It, mm-hmm. it just it just is. I mean, even McKenny likes to operate a little bit out there once in a blue moon. He starts to drift, you know. Um, yeah. So that was that was really good to see. Yeah. Also, quick shout out to Zimmerman uh, stepping in for John Brooks. Dude mm-hmm. had one of the best Nominal. games uh, yeah. I've seen him play in the in a U.S. shirt. He was a monster dealing with Raúl Jiménez, who's by far not an easy person to deal with. So him and Miles Robinson until he got a red card were very very good and solid in the back line so yep do you guys feel anyone uh, obviously we've had so many positive things to say which is unusual i feel like for these episodes um <laughs> anyone's stock fall from this game a little bit for me and 
and it's a Jedi a little bit because he had himself, you know, defensively a little suspect against, um, you know, a, a tricky Corona. Um, and he was a little wobbly defensively. I think some of the crosses maybe to, you know, Vito's point where like we could have more quality. I think that's his area that he really lacks is delivering that final ball. So his stock slightly, not massively, but overall, I mean, I can't really see anyone who had like a necessarily a, a poor game that would be like too judgmental or too harsh on. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Mike. There's no one in particular. I think their stock went down, but I am a little disappointed in Miles um, Robinson just because. I mean, it's a red card, so obviously there's always going to be some, some negative connotation when it comes to that, but more so it, it came down to the decision making. I mean, the red card came in almost the 90th minute and you're up 2-0. At that point, you know you need to be available for the next game. Brooks wasn't selected for this team. So you're already back one, one defender there, right? Mm-hmm. And that just takes him out of the next match too, which is it's just a big game, especially considering the fact that Mexico has to play Canada. And depending on a draw or anything, it gives the USA a real chance for some separation in there. Yeah. Um, so I'm a little disappointed that he – he knew he was on a yellow and, and he created another foul where if he scores, he scores. It's two, one in the 92nd minute. I mean, it is what it is. I understand it, but I'm a little disappointed about that. Yeah. I don't think his stock necessarily dropped, but he's Agreed. allowing, he's allowing Chris Richards to come in now perform yes. really well and then make question marks on him. If he's the right center back. So yes, I'm just disappointed about his decision-making. I don't think of him any differently as a player. I just think he made a, a silly decision there. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, we're top of the uh, of of the table right now, halfway through. Didn't see that one coming. Probably after our first window, I don't think. Mm-hmm. No, or the second, not not, not. Or, the second. <laughs> or midway, or even the beginning of the third. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was just drunk last time I saw it. <laughs> uh, wouldn't put it past you. Yeah. Um, let's kind of get into the Jamaican game predicted lineups. What are you guys feeling about that? Well, obviously, we have McKenny. Um, McKenney uh, yeah, McKenney is out, card. and then Miles Robinson yep. is also going to be suspended for the game. Yep. So we have at least a minimum of two changes. Anywhere else on the field, you'd like to see people coming in and out? Love to see Turner play. I don't think – I think they already said he isn't. I think Stefan was already confirmed to be starting. So if possible, Turner. Um, and then besides that, I'm trying to think. Um, obviously, Scally, but I don't think he'll get any real minutes until there's like maybe around like the 60th or 70th you know, minute, if hopefully the U.S. is winning, they put him in to get a little bit of experience in game time just to get a feel for what CONCACAF is like, so. Yeah, I don't have anyone in particular outside of those two changes that have to be made, obviously. I more so want to see Greg stick with it and, and go. Timothy Wea hasn't had the most minutes on this team, but the last two performances he put in have been game-changing performances, yeah. and they've won the games. He's hitting a run of form. Let him continue it going, right? Musa had a good game. Let him keep going. And then on the flip side of that, I would like to see Aaron's to start again. He's he obviously got off to an incredibly hot start um, over the first you know one or two rounds or you know, three four games, whatever it was. But he definitely has cooled off a little bit. He's not hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been that Aaronson we saw at the beginning of qualifying. And mm-hmm. I would like him to still have that opportunity to kind of try to refine that and then make a decision going from there. I got you. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw James Sands added to the national team uh, yep. for this match today. I don't think he plays. Yeah, he he was just added. I don't think he plays, but I think you know he's there more for cover, if anything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because he has that dual dual spot where yeah. he can go to center defensive mid or center back yeah. for us, where he's played yeah. more. I think center back, especially in the Gold Cup. 
Yeah. Um, is that so really no one else? I mean, we can kind of throw a few names out th- there. We got Ferreira up front, possibly. Maybe for maybe Ferreira, maybe. Um, they if they want to give Pepe a rest, but I think Greg will probably keep for the most part the same eleven intact. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given Pools, it's just still coming off the injury. He'll probably only try to bring him in if he really has to. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my expectation besides those two major substitutions or to the roster of McKinney missing, who I would assume you probably bring in like a, a Buzio or maybe um or maybe uh Acosta realistically. And then for uh what's his name? Miles Robinson, excuse me. You probably bring in Chris Richards. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The only defenders are possibly out there. You got Reggie Cannon over at right back, possibly for Yedlin. Um, mm-hmm. And then Mark McKenzie also at center back. Mm-hmm. Um, don't see McKenzie playing as much. I, I hasn't been no. in great form over in his club level, nor playing enough. Uh, Cannon, maybe definitely possible if he wants to give Yedlin a rest or just wants to swap out and see what he can do. I uh, wouldn't be shocked by that, but yeah, I agree. Scally, I'd love to see, even if it's just for a half hour, 20 minutes, whatever it might be to get him used to CONCACAF and just get him that role, obviously playing over in, in the Bundesliga. He's not, afraid of the big games even mm-hmm. he's performing against Byron both times he's played against them so yeah yeah my my whole thing with the lineups in this game is I think now given where we are on the table this next game pretty pretty huge obviously but I'm just looking towards the end of the the qualifying <laughs> our last three games are Mexico in second place Panama in fourth and Costa Rica in fifth the only team we're not going to play in that is can is uh Canada, who we played two two games before that, right? We have an incredibly, incredibly difficult end to qualifying in terms of mm-hmm. the table and the powerhouse structure. Mm-hmm. And this game is probably going to be what is going to decide how how nervy you we are. Am I pooping my pants while I'm watching it on my couch, basically? Yeah. Because this puts us so far so far ahead of them. I want the best lineup Greg can possibly put out there. I wanted the same lineup that we had this time out. Yeah, and it's not One to say biggest... that. Good. I was about to say, one of the biggest things we, we had, or biggest things we probably pulled up uh, on the second window was him switching the lineup when he didn't have to instead of tossing out his best, his best 11. Mm-hmm. I think this is the exact same situation where I hope he's learned where it's like, hey, bud, this is three points yep. we really could use. Mm-hmm. Go get them. Especially because it's in a, a, tough, a tough place to play Jamaica, and it's, it's only two games this, this round, right? This is only two. Yeah. If you're ever going to just leave your guys out there for that little bit extra, it's, it's – the window where there's only two matches, not three. Not yeah. only that, too, but you have to remember, like Mikel Antonio just scored his first goal ever for Jamaica. So kudos mm-hmm. to him right, in the last in the last game. But that's they now have they now have they now have Mikel Antonio yeah. up top, who is total. He's a difference to striker, obviously to Raul Jimenez, but he's still a very quality striker. Zimmerman's um, gonna have a I think better, game. honestly, right now. This Leon, point in time. Leon, Leon Bailey on the wing, but they're gonna have people who can beat you and yes. can be a problem. It's not gonna be the Jamaica team that we played initially earlier in, in the rounds. Um, it's gonna be a much, much harder yeah. game, in all honesty. This so. might be the trickiest game we've played so far. You know what you get when you play Mexico. I mean, you know what you get when you're gonna play Canada. This Jamaica team is, I mean, no one really knows much about them at this point. How many times does your point Mike, have these guys played together? Yeah, exactly. And they have, it's not like they don't have quality players either. Yeah, definitely. So. Agreed. No, absolutely. Um, so if you guys had to go to a starting 11, then pretty much the exact same lineup, maybe switch out uh, just whatever two you have to switch out, Chris Richards and who you want in the midfield then, Acosta? I would probably yeah. say Acosta because I trust him in CONCACAF games a little bit more. I think he kind of 
he's one of those players that like maybe people would disagree, but I think he gets it from that perspective where he like really lays it out on the line in those types of games. Uh, he's pretty physical in the midfield and it'll probably give McKinney and Adam, not McKinney, I'm sorry, Musa and Adams, the ability and license to kind of do what they need to do. Um, so I, I would say Acosta realistically. Okay. Yeah, and expect Jamaica to come out swinging because they're only at six points right now, and it's do or die time. They got to start putting up points. They're going to be coming at the United States full throttle that entire game. Yeah, yeah. and they left they left the uh, three points on on the uh, the last match too. They they gave up one in like I want to say the 80th minute or so. So something around there, yeah. So yeah. they definitely should be going for it. Um, anything else, boys? Realistically, <sighs> no. I just want to I, I want to see some consistency from this team stringing through. That's been kind of the motto of this qualifying, hasn't it? We, every good performance is followed by what the hell did I just watch? 25 shots on target and no goals. You know what I mean? Type of thing. Like that yeah. was in Canada that happened against. Yeah. I just want to see some consistency and to do it against Mexico and then on next to uh next with Jamaica is I think a, a great start for that. Yeah, the it's fact curious. that we can pull max points now. Before yes. maybe it was just like mm. okay we'll 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 draw Mexico and then try to beat Jamaica. Now the fact mm. that we can get all six, like go for it, get all six, get yeah. all six, make a statement. Do you think, out of curiosity, if you had a gut reaction right now, Canada has a chance of beating or a, a solid chance of beating probably a pretty depressed, depleted Mexico team? I don't think so. I think in, Mexico's going in, in the cold in Edmonton. I think Mexico wins. I didn't. I didn't like how they looked uh, in their last game against who was it? Um, was Costa Rica or Panama? They just played Coast, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica sat in a low block and, and they had trouble breaking him down. It took a mistake by the goalkeeper to really squeak that one through. I think ultimately Mexico is a stronger team. If they are going to win, I think it's going to be because Mexico likes to play attacking football and they They're like have open. possession and move. And yeah, they'll be much more open, uh, adverse to what Costa Rica was. But then again, Canada scored the joint most goals so far with the United States. So I honestly, I think they, I think they pull it. I think I, they, they pull it off. I think they pull it off. I think at, a minimum, at a minimum, they get a point. I think, especially yeah. at home. Um, but they're also the only team that not losing qualifiers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Still only ones in draws. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see a scenario where they can't pull pull off at least a point. Um, granted, could Mexico just turn it on and drop three, and go, go walk out three nothing? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But Canada looks really good at the same time. So, yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch. Predictions for tomorrow for the U.S. game scoreline. Dos Acero again. <laughs> two two draw. Two two draw. Wow, it'd be a bummer. <laughs> that was rude. I'm gonna say a two one win for the u.s that was my secondary that's what i was i was teetering on i just went for the draw he's 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 banking on a mikel antonio masterclass right now that's really it yeah although leon bailey has looked pretty bad recently in the league so that's a pretty good sign yeah i think mikel antonio probably gets one i'm yes. worried he's gonna bully those I think two center backs who I, don't I, have I think, much chemistry i think he gets one at, yeah at least um and then we'll see about the jamaica back line so I think the U.S. has too much power up front, so. I'd like to believe that. Yeah. <laughs> so would I. We'll see. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you something before we wrap it up. At what point 
does Greg make a decision one way or the other? Let's say we're in a good place, right? When it comes to ball, let's say we pick up three points tomorrow. Mexico and Canada both they draw and they drop points, and it becomes starts to become a scenario where it looks like ninety percent chance that the United States just auto qualifies. Do you start giving players more and more? You start using the same lineup week in week out to start generating chemistry, knowing that these are probably the same guys you're taking to the World Cup. Yeah, or do you start I, you start fiddling with things and start giving other guys other looks? I would say unless somebody really, really deserves that call up at this point in time, you start to slowly cement that chemistry because you have the players that you okay. most likely already want. You probably he probably already has the eleven that he wants in his head. Realistically, yeah. The only exception on that team who wasn't playing, or the two exceptions to that team who wasn't playing yesterday, which is even a broader conversation, is that Pulisic wasn't playing and Reina's injured, right? And yeah. And, and, and Destin Brooks, right? So those are four key players. <laughs> you're four starters. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, and those are great problems to have. Yeah, but, I agree. You know, at that point, I'm not sure who else is going to come in um, in terms of like who's going to just explode onto the scene in the next you know, right. eight months, nine months. So. The reason we have a goal, like the gold cup is the way it is right now is where is, that's where way more experimental for the BC squad mm-hmm. kind of situations where you find out where you have your depth and who's, who really should be getting the call-ups when, even when it comes to the end and we auto qualify, hopefully um, you take who you think is going to be on that world cup roster with you and you get yeah. them to, like, week in week out. Yep. Yeah. With you each experiment other. with one guy, 11. maybe two a match, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be the same starting 11 every time, yeah. but get all those guys comfortable playing with each other. Because you, you have to say what? Right now, you say Pulisic, Weah, Aronson, Reyna. Obviously, the midfield three, Musa, McKenney, Adams, no-brainers. You got both the Robinsons, Steffens, Turners. Probably. You, you probably take Brooks and Dust. Brooks. Uh, and, maybe, well, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, thinking Dest. center backs. Brooks yeah. and you know he's taking Zimmerman, especially after the last performance you said. I have no problem with Zimmerman right now. He no, had, me either. Absolutely been killing it. I mean, that's basically what you got to try to figure out how to get those 11 guys in the lineup. Yeah, Dust too. And then they have a, you know, we'll see. Um, there's a lot of options, which is a great thing. And I, I kind of, I'm curious too, like, where do some of these people even fit? Like Arena, for instance, who just missed like exactly. this, past, this past game. And it's so easy to like overlook it, but like there's quality in, in the wings. There's quality in the backup and, um, it'll be interesting to see how Greg has to fit all these players into the single team. And it's a problem as fans, we're definitely not used to having with the U S so. No, absolutely. He he's facing something we've never faced before. Whereas mm-hmm. in terms of like someone like Bruce arena, Klinsman, Bradley, they all had to get the best out of what they were given. Yeah. Greg has a plethora of options. Mm-hmm. He has to now figure out how to like his best 11 specifically. It might not be the best 11 players that we have, but it's the best 11 chemistry wise that play on the field together. He's yeah. at a point where failure comes down to, him, him not managing properly, not for his, not because of his players. You have a player in every position you can rotate in and out if that came down to it. It's also mm-hmm. maybe he should get on the phone with like Tuchel at Chelsea and when he's talking about pulls at the time. Like, how do you you have 14 midfielders? How are you gonna get them all on the field? Because we have four or five midfielders who who, yeah. who could start every game feasibly. The only the only gripe I had with him with this past qualifying in the roster itself was just the lack of like a another central striker besides yeah. Which I think obviously he won't do during the World Cup, hopefully. But I mean, you know, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Yeah. So agreed. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of the today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with Vito Anazelli and Michael Nolan, signing off.